Welcome to the NPS MedicineWise podcast, helping health professionals stay up to date with the latest news and evidence about medicines and medical tests. Welcome to all listeners. Uh, my name is Jill Thistlethwaite. I'm a GP and medical advisor at NPS MedicineWise, and I have a special interest in communication skills education and shared decision making. The management of chronic non-cancer pain is a complex area. MPS Medicine Wise has been running a program for health professionals and consumers on opioids and chronic non-cancer pain for some time now. And in this podcast, we'll be focusing on the non-pharmacological options for chronic non-cancer pain. To discuss this topic, I'm joined by Tanya Gardner and Sarah Fowler. Tanya, would you like to say a few words about yourself? Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. So um, I'm a senior physiotherapist practicing out of St. Vincent's Hospital um, with the Department of Pain Medicine and also have a role in CRUFAT. Um, and I was uh, involved in the development of our online pain management program, Reboot Online. Um, I've also done my PhD and I'm interested in, uh, also interested in communication and patient motivation and uh, goal setting. Thank you, Tanya, and welcome. And Sarah, would you like to say a few words about yourself? Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, my name's Sarah. Uh, I've been a consumer advocate for quite a few years now, and uh, I work quite a lot with Pain Australia. Uh, I was diagnosed when I was about um, 13 or 14, uh, and I've had my pain symptoms for about 10 years now. All right, thank you, Sarah. Um, so, Sarah, I know you've used uh, a number of different management strategies for your pain over those 10 years, um, including opioids at some points. Can you tell us a little bit more about your story and the management of your pain? Yeah, so um, my pain started... Uh, Normally after an injury or illness, uh, it would progressively get worse and consume most of my uh, lower half of my body um, and my GP would do multiple tests and uh, that was when I would be on your typical pain medication, including opioids at times. When um, Because I was so young, they probably avoided them a little bit more, which probably benefited my my treatment but uh, sometimes they were necessary and uh, it took quite some time but I would progressively use less typical pain medication by moving to uh, different types of pain medication uh, that is more neurological based uh, but primarily doing uh, physical therapies and um mindfulness, uh, using TENS machines or hydrotherapy, different types of techniques, even meditation at times. So using all those different skills and uh, some cognitive behavioural therapy to try and change things on the long term so that I could then progressively move away from my typical short-term uh, sort of acute-based pain medicine. Uh, thanks, Sarah. I, you've mentioned quite a few different options there. How did you get involved in those and, and learn how to use them successfully? Uh, 
my the first time I had a severe um, sort of lapse in my chronic pain health, uh, my I was misdiagnosed quite a few times, and actually my physio started to uh, give me different uh, pain alternative treatments uh, because I didn't have a diagnosis. There wasn't necessarily medication that I could be treated with, but that's when I started hydrotherapy because I was in a wheelchair. That sort of gave me the ability to start movement again. Uh, And then, again, my physiotherapist and my GP started um, sort of recommending other options for me. And I often tried different things with various success. Uh, knowing sometimes from other groups uh, like online and those sorts of things that it works best for different people. Uh, Some just worked better than others depending on my situation, I think. Yeah, so Tanya, um, from your perspective, um, we we know about the the difficulties with opioids um, and the harms that they can cause. What do you think are effective alternatives to these medicines? Yeah, so um, you're correct in in regards to the harm of opiates. And I think one of the difficult things for um, health professionals um, is when we are presented with a person who uh, experiences chronic pain is that we want to try and fix it. So we can't do that and we can't do that with opiates. We know that. So there are lots of other different strategies that you can use to manage pain. And I think as we uh, start to see more patients having to be de-prescribed opiates, it's important that we tell uh, patients or persons with chronic pain there's lots of other tools that they can be using um, apart from the opiates. And these things include uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, uh, mindfulness, relaxation, meditation um, and movement. Uh, Pacing is really important. So um, that's a strategy where we uh, pace activity either throughout the day or throughout the week, Um, activity scheduling, um, and it's really a combination of these tools that, that helps manage pain the best way. Often I'll describe uh, to my patients that we're really trying to teach them um, or give them a, a tool bag or tool belt uh, for them to have lots of different tools that they can choose uh, on a particular day or a particular time um, that is useful. And I think uh, Sarah sort of mentioned the fact that different things worked at different times um, and that's really common. It's a really individual uh, sort of approach that we need to take, but there's lots of different strategies that um, people can use. So when you are um, having a conversation with a a person with, with chronic pain, and you mentioned these alternatives, Tanya. Um, I presume that some people are quite sceptical to begin with. So what what do you discuss with them about the evidence? Yeah, so there's um, very good evidence now that um, this multidisciplinary approach is the best way to, to manage pain long term. Um, we also have the uh, good evidence in regards to the effectiveness or the poor effectiveness of opiates and the harms as well. So it's about showing them um, that the opiates are harmful and that we do have other strategies that actually work long term. Um, So it's about discussing um, the different types of pain, um, acute versus chronic, um, and sort of teaching them the the effectiveness of those different tools in those different phases as well. 
So uh, Tanya's mentioned um, the, the multidisciplinary team approach to this uh, chronic pain management. And Sarah, which health professionals or other professionals have you been involved with in your journey? Um, and how did you access those professionals? Uh, the start of my journey primarily was my GP and, and physiotherapist. Um, and when I got worse again uh, a few years later, I ended up at the Randwick Children's Hospital where I was uh, eventually admitted to the pain clinic there, which had multidisciplinary team. And it meant that I had access to a really wide, wide variety, so, so many um, specialists, including specialist physios in um, pain and psychologists and psychiatrists and uh, you name it, they were there. Uh, and it meant that they could really tackle a problem from all areas at once. Did you ever find sometimes that you were a bit overwhelmed by the number of people involved in your care? Yes, very much so. Uh, I I would have been, yeah, like maybe 13 and there was many, many doctors in the room um, all listening to my story at once, which was so, so beneficial, but also a little bit daunting to have so many professionals um listening to me, particularly when I was quite young. Uh, but the whole process was really supportive and it really makes you feel like you have a team of people that want to help you. So even though it was a little bit daunting, uh, it was a really beneficial process. And I think that uh, I always say that it's, it was the start of my pain journey, like it was really the start of my recovery, being there and having all those professionals helping me at once. Tanya, what as a, as a, um, a physiotherapist, um, what's your special expertise in the non-pharmacological management um, that you would recommend to people in, in Sarah's position? Yeah, so um, I guess as a pain physiotherapist, I'm looking at the whole person. Um, so I'm looking at not just their um, musculoskeletal system, which is what physios um, have got an expertise in, but I'm also looking at the relationship with movement, the thoughts and mood um, associated not just with movement and function, but what's happening with that person in their life. Um, and so I'm sort of tying all of those different aspects together. Uh, in regards to movement, um, we know that any movement is going to be helpful with chronic pain. So you can do specific exercises, you can do uh, general cardiovascular exercises, um, body movements, uh, tai chi. There's a whole variety of uh, research out there showing us that um, all these different types or modes of exercise are effective in helping to manage chronic pain. Um, so it's really about choosing what movement you enjoy doing, what movement's going to fit into your lifestyle. Um, and that's really up to the patient. So it's about listening to them and listening to what they want to be doing. But with that is pacing. So pacing is a really important strategy that uh, we uh, try and use. So that's where you slowly and gently increase the amount of movement that you do. Um, so we don't want to be pushing that pain system too hard or too fast because it will respond with uh, 
stress or increased pain. So we want to gently uh, improve the amount of movement you do. Um, and then also thinking about pacing your activities so that um, you're spreading your activities across a week or across a day, depending on your schedule. So in terms of movement and um, that physio approach, um, that's what I would be doing. Um, and then combining that or embedding um, all the different other aspects um, of what that person is bringing um, in terms of their mood, their thoughts, their function and what's happening in their life as well. And um, my particular focus is on patient-led goal setting. Um, so it's important to really ask the person what um, their life is like with pain, what do they want to improve in their life and work towards what that person's goal is. Um, so um, it's not a black and white answer, I'm afraid. It, it's quite an individual approach um, for everybody that walks through um, walks through the door. You mentioned there about communication, and, and both of us have a, an interest in that. Um, what what are the strategies for keeping all these different people who are working with the patient uh, to help manage the pain? The strategies for communication amongst the team so that everybody knows what's happening and is up to date, including yep. the patient. Yeah, yeah. So um, first thing is to involve the patient as much as you can. So um, making sure that they're developing those goals, that they're developing those strategies. So there's an ownership of that pain pathway, if you like, or pain journey. Um, and then it's really important that um, the team, so whatever team you're in, so if you're in a tertiary clinic, we've got a team, then we meet regularly. Um, we also have, I guess, a... a, a sort of direction uh, or a similar direction in terms of what our ethos is and what our, the language that we use so that the messages um, are repeated between um, members. And then if you're out in primary care and, and you, you need to communicate with um, different professionals out there, it's really important that everyone um, on that team, whether it's in tertiary care or primary care, that everyone's communicating, everyone's got the same model that they're following in terms of that chronic pain model and that multidisciplinary approach and that self-management approach, which is so important. Um, so communication between uh, professionals is really important. The language we use is also really important. So we know that um, you know, if a person goes in to see their GP or their physio, um, their physio might tell them that their spine is out um, or their disc is gone out. I'm not quite sure where the disc has gone, but, um, you know, patients will hear that. And of course, that's going to um, instill fear or uncertainty. So the type of language that we use with our patients is also really important um, and thinking about what message we're actually giving them. This comes down to x-rays and other scans. So, um, you know, often these uh, reports will show us what's, um, what's going on in somebody's structure. Um, but we also know that x-rays and pain aren't uh, correlated very well. So it's about demystifying those reports and reassuring uh, the patient that um, their body is fine um, and it is their pain system that's uh, firing off or hypersensitive, and that's what we need to be managing. Thank you. Um, Sarah, in terms of um, the information that you've received and the conversations that you've had throughout this journey, what's been some of the things that have been helpful to you in terms of communication? Uh, I think that 
again, that individual approach is really important. So I'm someone who comes from a very scientific background um, and there's moments that I vividly remember having things explained to me in a way that I understood and it just meant that I really felt like I knew what was happening in my body, which is the scariest part of chronic pain. The scariest part is not knowing what's going on in your body uh, and having that explained to me in a way that I could understand, A, even as a 12-year-old, but also just in the, a language that I understood was really important. And I think that that communication between the different uh, parts of your team so that they're continuing to communicate in a way with you that is really valuable to you is really, really important. So I think that language can be really important and also that communication between professionals because it can be very hard to repeat your story or try and remember something that one specialist said and bring it to the next specialist and tell them. It can be very draining and, you know, I encourage all people with pain to be their own advocate and do what they can and be in control of their own, you know, health goals. But if you have that support that other people are on your side and they're helping you with those goals, then it makes a really big difference. So I think that's that's really important and I think I really agree with what Tanya said. And what do you see as the, the role of the GP or your GP um, in this whole process? Uh, my GP is often, particularly if you're, you're an outpatient, um, the person that kind of brings everything together. They bring all the specialist reports that don't really make a lot of sense but you still get sent uh, and they sort of bring that information together and make something more clear uh, to you and they can also make sure that the information is being uh, communicated across all the different specialists. So they're, they're really a key communicator uh, to the patient uh, as well because they're, they know the patient probably best uh, in a lot of circumstances, uh, but also communicating to the specialists. And Tanya, are there any particular resources you recommend to patients uh, that they can use to help their self-management um, or that give them extra information um, to read at home, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the first one is our online pain management program um, called Reboot Online, which is on the This Way Up platform. Um, so this is a, a multidisciplinary online pain program that we've adapted from our face-to-face program and it really provides someone with um, eight modules going through all of the different aspects um, of chronic pain and really trying to teach people those skills um, that they could be using to manage their chronic pain. So that's a great resource, particularly for those people that can't access face-to-face -face programs, so people who are 
rural or regional, people who've got family or work commitments that can't attend face-to-face programs. Um, And we know in the last 12 months with COVID, we've had that extra uh, sort of pressure on not being able to to do any face-to-face programs. So those online pain management programs like Reboot Online um, have been a great resource. Um, And that's got all the information as well as those um, skills-based tools, Um, a movement station, a relaxation station. So it's really um, the whole sort of shop. And apart from that, there's a lot of great resources. The ACI, which is um, run by the New South Wales government, has got a great chronic pain uh, website uh, with information for both patients and health professionals. Um, so that's a great uh, resource um, that I would also recommend. And uh, do you have any ref- recommendations for other things for GPs around the management of chronic pain? Yeah, so the ACI website's got a great uh, toolkit. Um, so it's got a great um, sort of outline of where to go in terms of deprescribing and then also um, all of the other strategies um, that you could recommend uh, for your patients. And MPS Medicine Wise um, has some resources um, on our website, um, particularly around, uh, as you mentioned, then deprescribing opioids, titrating them, um, and also having conversations with patients uh, around some of these difficult areas. Because it can be, as, as we know, it can be very difficult and challenging for everyone who's involved. Um, Sarah, is, is there anything else you'd like to say, um, something that we haven't touched on yet that you think is important? Uh, on that conversation, definitely uh, some of those resources can be really v- valuable to, to the consumers as well and just uh, thinking about those, uh, giving those resources um, to uh, the patients and making sure they, they have some reputable resources I think is really important because there is uh, lots and lots of information on the internet and groups and and. That is amazing, but having some reputable information to go to because no matter what, uh, your patient is definitely going to go home and Google it. So if they're going to Google it, they might as well Google it somewhere where they're going to get really uh, beneficial information. And, um, yeah, it's really encouraging to sort of see that their uh, MPS-wise and and all the rest of it, they, they're engaging with com- consumers as well. So you are sort of, those GPs are getting a consumer's perspective when they're looking at ways to uh, reduce opioids because it can be a really daunting process. And even though uh, it might seem easy for, for some, the person in pain can be really difficult. So having that, that education behind it, always great, always really good. And, and Tanya, uh, anything else you'd like to say um, on this topic? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think with the de-prescribing and that conversation with your patient, um, I think that is difficult uh, for both the clinician and and patient, and I think you know there's a lot of distress often um, associated with that deprescribing. So it's about understanding that it is a distressful or can be a distressful thing for patients, and being able to sit with that distress and just reassure yourself that it is um, what you know is needed to be done. But there are other tools and strategies that you can help your patient with. Um, the other thing I would also say is 
that, you know, patients need some time to process the chronic pain model. You know, we're asking them to change their belief systems um, and change behaviour in the long term. And this takes a bit of time. So, um, you know, we almost say that we drip feed that information to patients and they're not always going to just hear it once and get it. Um, you need to be drip feeding that information, um, repeating that information over a period of time until that patient's been able to process that, um, accept that model and then be ready to change behaviour. So um, you need to allow that patient to reach that point um, in their own time as well. I really agree with that point. It's, it is a difficult thing to process and it does take time and uh, it, it often can be difficult and overwhelming to have all that information. But, you know, surprisingly enough, like most people don't like taking the medication in the first place and you're, you're providing them an alternative that could be better. So, you know, that, that should be a really positive thing for them to be able to, you know, empower them. Like you can actually do this without the medication uh, and without those side effects. So, it, it can be a really positive thing. It's just sometimes uh, a bit scary. Sarah, can you remember that point maybe when um, the emphasis was not on curing your pain, if, if that was something that, that was there at the beginning of your journey, to that pain management model? Uh, I remember sitting down with a nurse in the hospital and they sat down and really started to explain that pain model to me. Uh, and I, I was honestly relieved because I had spent years not knowing what was wrong. And even though it wasn't this perfect cure, which in medicine it normally isn't, um, but a lot of consumers think it is, it does, it, it just provided me with so much clarity in that moment and just hope. Like I, I felt so much hope that I actually had somewhere to go and and a path and, and something that I could achieve. So I was a very determined young young lady uh, and it was actually a really good moment for me and I, I still remember it so vividly. So um, sometimes it, it's actually understanding can, can really make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, that's such a powerful message for everyone who's listening. Um, and uh, it's, it's so refreshing to hear about this optimism and, and that there, is, there are things that we as GPs and doctors and other health professionals can offer uh, other than medication. Um, so it's really been great to hear your 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 conversation and uh, your experience and thank you Tanya as well um, for your your input. So I'd like to thank both of you today and say to listeners if you'd like to find out more about the opioids program from MPS Medicine Wise or the TGA reforms we will put some links in the podcast description for access to those. I'd also invite listeners to view our If Not Opioids Then What Medicine Wise News and to send in any questions or suggestions for future podcasts via Twitter or LinkedIn. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for having me. For more information about the safe and wise use of medicines, visit the NPS Medicine Wise website at nps.org.au.